When was the last time that you would consider that you played? This morning, I did a crossword puzzle. It's part of my daily coffee time routine. Um, on a day when I don't have too much to do, I might even get in a page of coloring. Uh, oh. But most days, I definitely do a little, I have a little pocket crossword puzzle book that I keep buying as, like, as pages get over. And so I do that in the morning. Um, and I, I like that. I, it's like my little coffee time thing to do. I love it. How long have you had that practice of doing a crossword puzzle in the morning? Uh, I think a few years now. Um, part of my routine now because it's with, along with my first coffee in the morning. So it just kind of starts the day for me. Fantastic. Welcome to Lead with a Dash of Play. Here we talk about the how and why of reclaiming playfulness as adults in order to build more connected, innovative, and human-centered workspaces. Isn't that what leadership is all about? I'm your host, Mary Hendra. Let's play. My guest today is Ruxana Hussein. Ruxana and I served together on a leadership team for Elevate Network for Professional Women so I saw her playful spirit firsthand. I love what Ruxana can teach us in relation to the leadership we express in any part of our lives. I started our conversation by telling her why I had thought about her in relation to Dr. Stuart Brown and his book on play. When I was reading Dr. Stuart Brown's definitions of play personalities, one of the play personalities is an explorer. Mm -hmm. And I immediately thought of you okay. because you travel so much and you, you bring experience living in different countries to your current life. So I'm curious if you can share a little bit more about what you do mm -hmm. with travel. Sure. And with words. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I um, am a full-time freelance writer and editor. Uh, part of that also includes being a travel journalist. So it helps that it kind of plays in with my interest. I love working with words. I love telling stories, um, especially with the written word. That's sort of where I, I like to focus. And so it's nice that I'm able to include travel as one aspect of doing that kind of work. Um, and I think it just comes from a general curiosity for what's around me. Um, I kind of look at everything with a little bit of a wow factor, if you will. That's just mm. the way I am. <laughs> yeah. um, and there's always something that might seem really everyday normal to someone. I'll just be like, hmm, I wonder why that is. Or I wonder how that works. Or what what if yeah. it didn't happen this way, you know? Um, and I feel like sometimes that is the best part of the the stories that I work with. And I feel like that sort of adds to my curiosity of like, what's going on here? Who is this person? How can I learn more about them? Um, and that plays with the travel too. You know, who are these people who live in this land or this other city that I don't know? I don't speak the language. Their food looks different from mine. Their clothes look different from mine. Um, and I just, I've always had this general curiosity for it. I do feel like part of that might be fed from the fact that I was born in India, but raised outside of the country in Oman. And so okay. just having that differentiation of, okay, this is where I'm really from, but this is where home is for the most part. 
that sort of made me more curious and being in Oman and seeing other expat populations living there kind of opened my mind to, okay, there's people that look different. They come from other places. They speak other languages. They don't look or sound like me. Where are they from? Um, and so that sort of started the curiosity of, okay, how big is this world? Where are, where, where are all these countries, all these cities yes. and names? And yeah, so I, that's, that's sort of, you know, what really drives me every day is just this curiosity to learn a little bit more about something I, I probably don't know about. Yeah. Yeah. Curiosity is such a powerful tool for discovery, right? It absolutely is. Yes. Big time. <laughs> And and your description shows me that it's both the place, but also the people mm-hmm. that really sparks your curiosity and the interest in discovery. Yes, it does. And I, I think that's a big portion of it is the people do make a place much more special. You can go and observe a, an attraction or a monument and take from it what you will. But then having someone there that talks to you about it, tells you what their relationship to that monument is, gives you a whole other facet of of history and of, of what that place and people mean. So I do think that people add such a personal experience to that place. Um, and every time I have the chance to have that exchange, I value that a lot. What kinds of things do you like to do to really understand and explore a place? Oh, gosh, I am probably one of the few people who do this, but I love going to libraries, local <gasps> libraries. I think um, it's one of those amazing resources that our societies have today that maybe a lot of people are just not even exploring to the full extent of everything that it offers. But I just yes. love going to, I love reading, I love books, and so I love libraries and like to see where these books are housed, because I okay. think that there's something special about that. I definitely love going to um, museums. If I will find a local museum of history and culture, I feel like that's a great way to understand the heritage of a certain, you know, um, set of people from another country. Um, I do love doing that. Um, Gardens are a big part of what I like to do. I love going to, if there is a botanical garden in the area, I will definitely go there. I love seeing, for some reason, it gives me happiness to see all these different flowers and all these different shapes and forms and what grows in one place and what does not grow in another place is kind of unique. Um, And I think just going to a botanical garden sort of gives you that that sense of this is a different place, but also not so much, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because uh, some people might go, oh, well, museums, libraries, gardens, every place has something like that. But they might be thinking about it of, oh, I want to go and see the art collection that's Mm -hmm. like ancient art or something. Whereas what you described are the things that make it unique to that place. Yes, absolutely. And it makes me think about when I lived um, as an exchange student in what was then the Soviet Union, my greatest uh, achievement perhaps was that I got a library card because in that space, you couldn't just get a <laughs> library card, right? And going to the the main state library, the, the Lenin Library really was what it was called. You had to have this special pass. You had to have proof that you were legitimately there. So I had to prove that I was a student and therefore I was doing serious research and deserved a library card. 
And then when you went into the library, you couldn't bring any papers, anything else in there. You would have to request a book, have it brought out to you, and then you know send it back uh, before you left the library. So it was a library, but it was unlike any other library I had been in. Mm-hmm. And and it showed so much about the different culture and the what the role of libraries, the role of learning, the yeah. the value placed on on study um, yeah. because of the structure and form and even like the physical building of that library. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's an interesting experience. I've I've actually never heard of anyone going through that. So that now that that's taking my interest a lot. <laughs> <laughs> oh. When I first asked you if you'd be on this podcast, the other thing you said is that you love to play with words. Mm -hmm. Can you share more about that association of play? Around the age of 10, 11 is when I really got into books and started reading stories and realized that there could be a world that you could create in your head that, that didn't really exist. I thought that was very interesting. And so when I saw words that were new to me or that I didn't know how to pronounce because they were too big for a 10 year old, (laughs) I'd wonder what that word was and what it meant. And now as an adult, when I think about it as a 10 year old, I'm like, gosh, I must have sounded so nerdy or like weird or something. It's like, what is this word? How do you say it? How does it spell? You know, like those are the kind of things, questions I had in my head. How can I use this in a sentence? Yeah. And that was that was playful for me. And I would try to then see how I can use that in an essay. Um, and I think that's where it kind of started coming together. And it felt like words are almost like a sentence puzzle, right? You're trying mm-hmm. to figure out, especially as you're doing more writing and editing, what words will best make sense and express the intended message for that for that phrase that's kind of where the play with words started coming in. And then I realized that there are word crosswords and puzzles out there that I love doing. Then I found Scrabble and Scrabble was an amazing thing. And I I feel like that has sort of become part of my life professionally now where I literally play with words every day, I think is how I see my work. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) How fun to see your work as a form of play. Absolutely. I I love what I do. And I'm glad that I've been able to come to this point where I'm doing that for a living uh, versus, you know, having to try to find time to do it. Yeah. So I will highlight for people who have not yet met you that you're an award-winning journalist, your publisher. You you have gotten some great visibility uh, in the LA Times and in podcasts and others for the work that you do. So you clearly show leadership in your field. What do you think is the role of play or having a playful mindset or, or is it a challenge to be a leader and have that playful mindset? This is such an interesting question because I think, okay, the basic answer is it depends. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it's a lot to do with, you know, your background, your cultural upbringing, and sort of how society around you sees leadership and and work and play. Um, Because I think leadership in the professional atmosphere is usually considered to be something so serious. 
Um, And you have to carry yourself professionally and there's a formal like image that you have to portray. Um, And I think, especially coming from a South Asian background, that's pretty accurate of how you consider leadership. (laughs) Okay. Someone that's very serious that, you know, is, is very formal in their approach. Um, But I do feel that having moved out of very like corporate landscape and doing more freelance independent work that I do. I've had more opportunity for leadership that embraces play um, in in a very fun way. Um, And I think I come more from enjoying that approach um, versus being, you know, the more serious professional. And I feel like it really depends on which of those mindsets people come from. Um, Because for a lot of people, if you've spent years of your life being conditioned by society to think that the only way leadership works is if you are the serious person that's just, I don't know, signing papers every day and going to meetings and giving people orders, it's very hard for you to break off from that mindset and then say, oh, today I'm going to have this fun group huddle where we're going to discuss different ways that we can figure out the situation, right? That's, it's a very different mindset. And similarly, the other way, if you're used to working in a fun environment where leadership includes a lot of play, and then you go to one where you don't see much of that, <laughs> it's, it is a culture shock, you know, as yeah. far as work is concerned. Um, so I really do think it depends. I prefer where, like I said, I enjoy working with words because for me, it is a form of play. And if you can come to that, you know, like work your career trajectory if you're talking professionally to a point where how you enjoy work is how you enjoy play then I think that's the perfect place to be um, mm-hmm. and I, I really do think people and who find themselves in that little space really do thrive in anything they do yeah 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 it's a beautiful way to think about it as you've navigated sometimes corporate and also the freelance are there times that you like pull back on your playfulness when you're, you know, meeting with somebody or where you feel like you can be more playful? I definitely try to get a read for the room. I'm mm-hmm. not going to say I'm great at it. <laughs> <laughs> but at the end of the day, I am who I am. I'm usually yeah. a very animated person. This is how I talk. I like to have a lot of conversation, interaction. I love for things to be fun. And that's what I bring. And I can try to pretend to be someone else at a meeting, but that's going to come off very soon. <laughs> <laughs> it's only so long that's, we can have that, that mask. curtain can only be up for that long and then it's going <laughs> to just be pulled off. So yeah. I, I really learned over the years just to bring my true self to whatever the situation is. Um, of course, if it's a serious situation, we understand the, you know, how serious that is. We understand how important it is to be formal and, you know, to have that be a professional atmosphere. But as far as I would, I would like to, I try my best to see if I can be um, more interactive and more, I, I, want, I don't want to keep saying serious, but, you know, more conversational, more interactive, uh, and definitely playing off of the, the different energies in the room versus all of us trying to be portraying a certain kind of professional, you know, brand or image. Yeah. 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 As you've been talking, I I have appreciated that 
you use play in different ways, similar to what I do, because I think sometimes we forget we play with ideas, we play with words, we we play with concepts, we play with the future product idea, we, we connect as a team often by um, playing together, not because we are out doing sports competitively (laughs) with each other, um, but because we are interacting and engaging in that way. Yeah, and I, I, and I'm glad you talk about that because I, I do think collaborating on any kind of work is a form of play as well. You're doing a little back and forth. You're both trying to see what ideas best work um, or how many effort people there is in that team. And, and that is a form of play, all of us interacting together. Um, and, and I wish more people saw it that way as opposed to a must do activity rather than this can be a fun activity that I choose to do. Do you see any difference in how the expectations or the limitations put on people because of their gender or their ethnic background like impacts the ability to play at work or to bring a playful sense to work? It definitely does. It absolutely does. And I think the only way to address that is to have honest conversation about it. Um, and for that, you need to have the right avenues. You know, if you are in a corporate atmosphere where that is not an avenue for you to explore, then there's just no way for you to open up to even play as yourself, as an individual, forget even having interactive play, right? Um, so I, I do think that does affect, and I do, I, I wish more corporations are out there are giving people the chance to have that honest conversation. So they can then choose to be present in, in the best way that they want to want to be present in that situation. Yeah. 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 I hope for that too. <laughs> I hope for that. Yes. Yes. I, I feel like a lot of people are moving in the right direction, but also a lot of people don't know what they're doing. And I think yeah. sometimes efforts might feel like they're just taking off boxes. And sometimes there are people that are actually doing the work. And I think in the long run, we you end up knowing which organizations those are, depending on you know the people that work there and how they present themselves in their workspace. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, I I think at one point also that was very explicit messaging as well as implicit messaging that in order to move up, in order to become a leader in an organization, you had to fit a particular mold, and. That was where I even saw some people as they rose, they shifted from being a little bit more relaxed and collaborative and collegial to being more serious. And we have to follow all of these guidelines or I need to upgrade my wardrobe. I need to have a particular presentation of what it means to be a leader. Mm -hmm. True. I see you smiling a bit here. So I'm curious if you could share your thoughts about what it really means to be a leader. So I agree with with the part that you're saying of the pressures people feel to look, speak, act a certain way because Mm -hmm. they're moving into those leadership roles. Um, One aspect of it, I feel, is if you have a team and an organization behind you where everyone's working together toward one goal, then that pressure might not be as much on that one person and that might help them relax a little bit and be more of the individual they want to be rather than the one that they have to present as. Um, On the other hand, just coming from living in different countries and visiting other countries, sometimes it is a 
cultural norm and you are going to have to make that shift just mm -hmm. so you can work with the other person in the manner that yeah. they need you to. Um, yeah. You know, and that just means you might have to dress more formally than you usually do, or you might have to address people a certain way. And that's the culture of doing business there. Um, and that's totally your call, I think, as an individual, how you choose to do that. But that is a big factor to consider. So I do feel like those pressures are there, but depending on the situation, it doesn't have to be as extreme to the degree as you might think it it does, you know? Yeah. So I'm hearing both the choices that you make, of, of which I would say could even be, do you choose to do business or be employed by that corporation in that country and those cultures. Uh, but also the, how do you bring a bit of yourself into that space, mm -hmm. even as you're navigating the space? Agreed. And, and, you know, you sort of have to learn to do that with time and experience. And the more you expose yourself to those situations, you'll learn how to work with it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have to get yourself in the right mood to play? Hmm. Not really. I'm always open to it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm a very easy go with the flow person for the most part. Um, on most days, I'm just like, let's get out there. Let's do this, whatever it is. You know, yeah. that's that's me. I don't mind taking five minutes off to go do a crossword or like read something online that has nothing to do with my work or like yeah. look for tickets to a place I'm going to go I don't know when but I don't mind doing something that takes me away for a few minutes and for a lot of people that think that that's distraction but that is also a form of play you are trying mm -hmm. to inspire yourself by doing a few other things so when you come back to your work that's another form of play, but this is helping inspire and motivate that. I don't know if that makes sense, but to me, that's how I, I don't look at it as a distraction. I look at it as fueling my imagination for whatever it is I'm working on. <laughs> yeah. That makes a lot of sense to me and reminds me of something I read earlier today that was from an article in the New York Times. Kristen Wong wrote, I'm reading this. Yeah. Generally speaking, play is something that's imaginative, self-directed, intrinsically motivated, and guided by rules that leave room for creativity. And that's what you just described reminded me of because you were choosing something so self-directed, mm -hmm. intrinsically motivated, that was going to spark your imagination and leave room for creativity. Absolutely. She just said it very nicely. <laughs> and I use a lot of words. <laughs> it's one of the best definitions of play that I found. <laughs> That's the best. That is the best. <laughs> oh, very fun. Are there lessons you think the rest of us could take from what you do with travel? And even if we can't get away where you can't we we don't have the writing ability that you have or the the practice to be able to really uh build that kind of curiosity are there still lessons we can take from that I absolutely think so um and I think you really don't have to how's the best way to put this I 
I would say don't compare what you are doing to what someone else is doing because um, you are doing exactly what you need to do in your time right now, right? But take from, from what someone else is doing and see how you can incorporate that in your life, right? So just because I travel as much as I do, I work with words and that's something maybe someone else wants to do and can't do it right now, doesn't mean they can't do it in the future, right? But what can you what can you pick up from that? What what is it that you're seeing that you're enjoying, right? Is it the different places I go to? Can you do virtual tours of that? Can you find places in your cities where you can go experience that? And I think just try to do little things that fuel the curiosity in you every day. I appreciate that on your website you talk about even being a tourist in your own city mm -hmm. and what it means to travel in your own city, whether it's on public transit or, you know, going to someplace that you had been to a thousand times, yeah. but approaching it with the eyes of curiosity, with the intention of learning something new or seeing something you didn't see before. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And I think that that part, learning something new is important because there is this idea that we have to be in a new place or with new people or, you know, have a new experience for us to feel like we're learning something. And it doesn't have to be that way. Um, you can go to the same coffee shop you work at four times a month <laughs> right. and meet and meet someone there and, you know, have a conversation about a topic you talk about every day, but you can learn something new. I have, I'm constantly learning something about writing, editing, publishing, media from all of my colleagues and we have conversations all the time we're yeah. all freelancers we're all business owners but every single time there's something new that I can learn from them or some new conversation that we have some new discussion um and I feel like gosh I meet you guys every month we come to the same coffee shop every month it's always the four of us how am I just hearing about this now right it's one <laughs> of those moments but I feel like yeah I, I think that people just feel like I don't have enough stuff happening in my life for me to have this experience and it does not have to feel that way yeah and that mindset as well to me seems so much part of leadership it's very important to sort of have this have this idea that you know there is something to learn in this moment yeah whether whether that's the next minute or the next hour you're going to learn something new by existing, yeah. you're going to learn something new. So if you put in a little bit more effort, you could really learn the things you want to. Yeah. Um, that's learning is a big part of that. Yes. I recently read a travel article about Los Angeles and I've, yes. I've lived in Los Angeles for almost my entire life, um, which is a lot of years. So <laughs> it was kind of strange to read a travel article about Los Angeles, but it was so fun both because mm -hmm. of the connections where I recognize something, but more, even more so the, the way of seeing Los Angeles through somebody else's eyes as, uh, as somebody who had moved there, lived there for a little while left, but was writing this travel article about Los Angeles. And, and it just was so fascinating to me that I could find such joy in really seeing a place I knew so well with the eyes of curiosity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I love that you, you said that because I, I think that's important too, is there's so much around us. Honestly, there's no way, there's no way any one person knows and everything about everything around them. Right. You, you constantly have to be observing and learning. And, and I like that you found joy in that. Yeah. yeah. So how can people 
stay connected with you and learn from your voice? Um, sure. They can uh, look me up online. I'm on roxanawrites.com and my um, travel website is travelerandtourist.com. Um, I'm also on Twitter and Instagram. Again, search me up by my name, Roxana Hussein. You should find me pretty easy. But um, yeah, I'm on all those places. And of course, professionally, I'm on LinkedIn. So if anyone wants to connect there um, regarding work or business, I'd love that too. Fantastic. Before we end today, could you leave our listening audience with an invitation to play or to lean into their curiosity? Oh my gosh, I just say go find a... Go find a really good book at the library or get yourself one of those little pocket crossword puzzles. Um, and the next time you have five minutes to spare, just do one of those. It's fun. It's really fun. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much, Roxana. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed this conversation. Thank you for listening to the Lead with a Dash of Play podcast. Reza Zaidi and Joanna Stevens created and provided the beautifully playful and reflective music you hear on this podcast. The song is titled Holding Rain. This podcast was created out of curiosity, and I hope you'll share your thoughts and questions with me. Email me at mary at maryhendra.com or join the conversation on LinkedIn, Redefining Play and reclaiming this leadership skill for its potential to bring authenticity and joy into our professional spaces.